Good morning, everyone. I uh, forgot to do this last week, but I wanted to thank our, our stage design team who put together another really sharp look for us to start out the new year. And I wanted to thank everyone who participated in that. I think they did a great job. Yeah, it looks wonderful. It's a new year, and it's time to think about a lot of different new things. Uh, one of the new things is whether or not this is a year you would get involved in some ministry here at Lakeland Community Church. Uh, years ago, I think it was about this time of year, uh, I volunteered for an after-school program. It's an inner-city program. It was all African-American kids. It was after school. It was uh, uh, Christian-based. So one of the nights, we decided we're going to have a, a night about worship. So we did these rotations. And uh, for my rotation, they put me in this little closet-sized room. And they gave me this CD player. And I was supposed to spin up these worship CDs and then let the kids listen to them. And then we talk about them. And uh, here's the problem. That was the, the whitest worship music imaginable on those. I mean, this was white people worship music on those CDs. And if you're thinking, what's white people worship music? Like what we listen to every week, okay? Um, and so this will reveal something about me. Uh, here's my opinions on race and music. Uh, white people don't have much to teach black people about music and nothing about worship music. You can say, that's reverse racism, but I uh, worship with an African-American congregation for the better part of a year, and I, I'm telling you, I love what we do, but it's not the same thing, okay? Uh, you know, you, you sway an hour and a half, clapping on the offbeat press for the mark and the pride. Mm, man, I miss it sometimes. <laughs> so anyways, that's not what we're doing. We're, that's not what we're, we're listening to the CD, and the kids are like, you know, some of them put their head down on the desk, and, and finally I just hit stop. I'm like, okay, guys, worship is not a style, right? There is God-honoring rap. There is God-honoring hip-hop. There is God-honoring R&B. Uh, black gospel is some of the best that there is, which you already know this because you've grown up. I'm saying you don't have to like these songs to be Christian, so we had a mid-rotation check-in, see how it was all going, and I, I said how it was going in my station, and, and one of the gals who was leading it, she goes, ah, I think I better sit in on Garrett's rotation for the rest of the night, and the other gal goes, yeah, why don't you do that? So I got a handler, and, and basically she just, <laughs> she just did all the talking, and I sat there looking dumb. Now, that story is exactly why some of you are not going to get involved in ministry here in this church this year or ever. Because you don't want to be trapped in a situation like that. It's actually not that you think, oh yeah, you know, I just come and sit, I absorb the teaching, everybody else serves me. That's a great arrangement. That's not what you're thinking at all. It's also not that you are overcommitted and that you're busy and your schedule is unpredictable. That's always what you say, because that's a great line in the suburbs, but you arrange that schedule for all sorts of things that matter. Uh, that's, not, that's not what's stopping you. What's stopping you is you just don't want to get involved in something that is frustrating or lame. You don't want to be stuck in a church closet here somewhere, making kids listen to music you don't even like and then telling them God wants them to like it. You don't, some of you don't want other people violating you, taking advantage of you, using you as a, to, to hatch their plans, making you into a puppet to say and do things they want said or done. Others of you just don't want the pressure. You are reasonably content now, and you don't need someone messing with that. You don't need the church pulling you away from the friends and family that you already have. 
everyone here is very bright. Um, you, you just said that so on your survey. Um, but every, everyone here is very bright. You, you, you all know that, that church is not a restaurant. You already know the pastor is not the restaurant manager, the band and the people running the lights and sound. They are not the wait staff. Uh, you are not the customers. The offering basket is not the tip jar. You already know that. And you already know that the church is more like a picnic. And that in a, a, a picnic, everyone eats, but also everyone brings something and everyone serves. You know that it just doesn't change a thing about the fact that you're not going to get involved. You know that we have all sorts of ways to get involved. It's not just a few that you would think of. You already know. You could serve coffee to one another. You could greet one another at the door, hold one another's babies, play with the toddlers, be a small group leader for kids or teens, or you could do drama or art or games. For kids or adults, you could be technological and do lights and sound and video screens, or you could be handy. You could shine up the building and fix things that are broken. If Sunday's not your thing, you could come through the week. You know, you know there's men's ministry. You know that there's women's ministry and couples, small groups and single small groups. And, and you know all of that. It just doesn't change the fact you're not getting involved in it. In fact, you even know that if you don't get involved, you'll never meet the people you want to meet. And you'll never have the spiritual conversations that you want to have. And after usually about three years, you just don't feel a part of the church and you say, I think the Spirit's gone out of that place. In fact, for some of you, it's been about 35 and one half months and you're thinking, it's probably time to go do something else. Even knowing that's how it turns out, you still won't get involved. And the reason is, aside from all those great benefits, the risks are too great. You don't want to be trapped forever. You don't want anyone guilting you into doing things you don't want to do and being stuck there forever. You don't need the pressure other people would put on you to pull you away from family and friends and, and to be stuck in that loop forever. But I would want you to know that in this congregation, we know we have a sacred duty not to trap or torture you when you're trying to do the right thing, which is serve the church of Jesus Christ. When God's people are doing what God made them to do for that season, that is the mission of God. That's one of the reasons why you came to church, to do what God made you to do. And when you find that, that's a sacred thing. And if we turn that into a trap or some sort of torture, then we have committed a hideous sin. We work hard to guard against that. And so I would say, I would think you'd be wrong if you imagined that here, if you found something, an area to serve in, and you didn't like it, that someone would say, well, I'm sorry, you committed you committed, you signed in some sort of blood where we did it for you while you were asleep and uh, now you're stuck and you can't quit doing it and you can't go try something new. Our ministry, ministry philosophy does tell us it is best to have people commit for a season, for organizational purposes, for, for vision and for a chance to get to know it. But we know that people change, schedules change, circumstances change, and that's why through the year, your leaders, staff, or volunteer leaders, sometimes they'll call you. Sometimes they'll just have a casual conversation in which they'll say, how do you like it? And would you like to do it for another season, or, or would you like to try something new? Those are intentional moments. Because even if you said, okay, I commit for a school year, and, and, and after two weeks you hated it, no one would say to you, oh, no, 
you signed up for the whole school year, so it doesn't matter that you hate kids or you hate coffee or you're allergic to paper. I mean, you know, no one's going to... Because our ministry philosophy says, and this gets us, this baffles some folks, but it's better not to do a ministry than have it done by people who are worn out or don't like it. So there's lots of things that we don't have here because nobody wants to do it. It makes perfect sense to me, but if no one wants to do it, then don't, then don't do it. So other than elders who do make a lifetime commitment, no one here serves forever. And even elders can take a leave of absence if they ask for one. And so I think it's safe for us to do this. Can we strike the suffocating word forever from our serving vocabulary? Because we don't do that to people around here. I used to do what Wendy's doing right now, which is run the screens that put the worship words up and videos if we have them. And then from there, I moved to setting up the stage, which we used to have to build when we were in a restaurant banquet hall. And then I went to uh, what you saw Julie do earlier, doing the announcements. I sang in the band for a while. For a while, I did a team that put together gift baskets for first-time visitors. And then after that, you uh, called me to be one of your pastors. None of these stages were ever trapped or ever stuck and I tried all sorts of things, even more than I mentioned. A while back, not recently, but a while back, we had a guy who was doing the fourth grade boys. He was in a little group that starts off in our fourth grade boys ministry. He just got worn out after doing it for a few years. So now he was a twice a month volunteer. And the other guy who was doing the fourth grade boys twice a month, he moved up with the boys and followed him to fifth grade. So that means there's nobody for fourth grade boys anymore. So when the worn out guy heard that, he's like, you know, I can just go back and do fourth grade boys if you don't have anybody. And our staff member said, no. If you're worn out, you're worn out. And this is a big church. We can deal with this. So we had substitutes cover fourth grade boys for, for months. And, and out of those substitutes began to arise people who said, hey, this is kind of fun. This is not really what I thought it was. You're, I'm not in a closet spinning up weird CDs. Uh, I like this. And so, uh, you know, sign me up for once a month. And then one of them called up and said, uh, you know, I think I would get to know the kids a little better if I could do it twice a month. So would you sign me up for twice a month? But no one ever went back to that worn out guy and said, there's no one left. If you don't do it, nobody will. And then someday, those fourth grade boys are going to be drunk and pregnant, <laughs> even the boys. And it'll be your fault, because you were tired. We don't do that, people. So today, fourth grade boys has five different volunteers. They do twice a month each, and there's this one spot we'd like to have that's filled by substitutes. They gather each week. Maybe that could be you. Our serving philosophy is also that you should, not that you should come to church and then be separated from worship or separated from friends and family. Uh, that's why we do a, a, a serve one, attend one. We could actually fit everyone from the first service into the empty seats that are in this service and just do it once. But we don't do that because then the people that are serving outside this room are kind of, they are stuck there outside. So we do a serve one, attend one. Some of you are actually doing that right now. During the first service, you were... Uh, taking care of the Joneses' kids or greeting the, friend, the neighbors the Jones invited or serving them coffee, and they were sitting in here absorbing the teaching during worship. Now you've come in to do teaching and worship and that sort of thing, and the Joneses are out, and they're taking care of your kids, and they're serving, greeting your neighbors at the door, and they're doing coffee. 
So we do serve one at 10. It, makes, it can make for a long morning, but if you find something that's fun, that you enjoy, and that you're good at, it's not so bad. Even with the serve one, attend one, we recommend that people on a team here only do it you know, once a month, twice a month. You'll find people who are doing things every week of the month, but they like it. This is where their friends are. They're really into it. But a lot of people just do stuff once a month, twice a month. So not only do people not serve forever, they don't do it all the time. So we can strike both of those phrases. And what this arrangement does is it creates harmony and stability and an opportunity for connectedness for everybody. And you get to meet people, and you get to become a part of what's going on. So now I've spent half the sermon calming fear. Fear is what the devil uses. What I'm about to say now doesn't apply to serving, it applies to your entire spiritual life. Satan uses fear to pull you away from the kingdom of God, usually with a line like this. Oh, I know you're unhappy now, but sister, brother, you could be worse. So it'd be better, just don't change anything. Don't try anything new, because it might be even worse. Satan always says to you, better to stay with your predictable discontent. You hate it, but at least you know tomorrow you're going to hate it in exactly the same way you hate it today. How many of you that describes your spiritual life right now? Predictable discontent. God calls us through hope. God draws us toward the kingdom through hope. Here's some hope for today. Some of you are searching for satisfaction and fulfillment. That's what you're after. Well, the ministry of the church is reaching out to the community and even the world with a new message and a new mission in Jesus Christ. And that's what you're a part of when you greet people at the door in Jesus' name with a warm welcome and you accept them. You have been Jesus to them. When you teach children the story of Jesus, when you lead in worship, or if you make the technology work, or you keep the house of God clean and good repair, it actually looks like a place where, where good reigns, uh, you bring a piece of a great mission and you won't have to look anywhere else for a sense of purpose. You have been a part of something that matters in the lives of people. And if that thing you're doing also is fun, or also is something you're good at, coupled with the fact that it really matters, there's no greater sense of satisfaction. Others of you are searching for something more like a, a, a legacy, something that will outlive you, to be part of something that lasts. I encourage you also to get involved in the church family. See, the church is a greater thing than you. You couldn't do all that a church does all by yourself. It takes all the people all through the week. And, uh, and yet, if you don't participate, it leaves a hole. Something is missing. And so the, the ministry of the church is all about you, and yet it's not just you. And it's not even about the people because they are empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit. And whatever the church does, it tends to last a very long time. We could all have discussions in the history of the world about the things the church has done for the world that were great. And we could have a discussion about the things the church has done for the world that were horrible. And we'll find that our memories of these things last for hundreds of years. The good and the bad. So why don't we pull together and make the ministry of our church something good? Something that would be remembered well by our children, by the community. It would be remembered in heaven. A legacy. Others of you are searching for harmony, stability, connectedness. Jesus said, this is my church, 
And the gates of hell will not come against it. And they have tried. Through, through the history of the church, the church has been attacked. At times, the church has just been neglected. At times, the church has been a victim of its own ignorance. But it always manages to seem to find its way back to being a symbol of hope and to being about the people living in peace and caring for one another. It always seems to find its way back despite all the challenges and mistakes. And we always end up saying we're friends and family here, not just a congregation. And that's what you're asked to be a part of this morning, the thing that has lasted. I sat. I sat where you sat six years ago, about 2007. I had just graduated from seminary. I had my degree. I had no idea what I would do with it or where. And on that particular morning, there was a line of people up here on the, on the platform, and Elisa Hans was one of them, and she, uh, Lakelander, and she was becoming a full participating member that day. And she asked if she could read a statement. And so she read this statement, and it said that she had struggled a long time with doubt and questions, but this church had been a place that took her doubt seriously. And she said even though she had doubts, she found that this congregation accepted her. And this was a place that addressed her questions, but also wasn't afraid to say, we don't know all the answers. We don't know all the answers. She said she encountered Jesus Christ and his love here in this church. And at the end, she made it a point to thank everyone in the congregation who had been a part of it in any way. And I said to myself, sitting where you sit, I want to be a part of anything that can do that in someone's life. And I went home that afternoon, and I typed up my resume, and I handed it into the elders, and I did not know that you were already looking for another pastor to join the team. The truth about all this is that God knows what he made you to do. Some of you know, too. He's whispered it to you. Others of you are starting to feel a pull. You're starting to get a picture, and others of you have no clue. How do you get from the thing you have no clue about to the thing God already knows? You take a step. You take one step closer to the place where God is active and the things of God are being done. You take a step, you move close to an area, you get involved, and all the time you're in prayer saying, God, is this it? Is this the right step? What am I supposed to be learning here today? Am I still controlled by fear? Here's what our ministry philosophy says. Our ministry philosophy says, a God is already at work in your life. You wouldn't be here if he wasn't. And so, if the church is God's church, and your life is in his plan, we believe he can bring it together in a wonderful way. And so we think all you really have to do is get close to the mission of Jesus Christ. And when you're close to it, and you hear the story, and you see the potential of it, the Holy Spirit will draw your heart and say, yes, become involved in that. And so because we think that way, what we do is we just ask you, go on a tour. Tour a ministry. We think if you just stand next to someone who has a story of passion on why they serve the way they serve, if that's right for you, the Holy Spirit will say, yes, start there. Try that. So we don't have any tricks or gimmicks or rotations based on the alphabet or anything like that. We just say, go on a tour and hear it. And the Holy Spirit will either say, yeah, that's it, or no, Try another one. So this is usually the part of the service where I'd say, you know, fill out a tour and get one set up, but we're actually just going to stop right now, and we're going to go and tour ministry. So some of you are thinking, okay, this is my first or second time here. I'm not really sure I want to, you know, 
get involved. That's fine. What you would want to do is find a tour for an area that's important for you and your decision to select a church home, and you'll hear a lot more about the vision of that. Some of you are thinking, hey, I'm already doing once a month, twice a month. I'm here every week. Um, Pick an area that you never get to hear about because it will encourage you to think, I have passion for my part, and I didn't know on the other side of the building there's this other thing going on, and they have just as much passion and zeal as we do. For all of you in between, find something you're maybe feeling a little pull toward, just a little one. And hear the tour, hear what it's all about. And what they'll do is they'll tell you what it's all about, and then they'll give you a, a, a card and ask for your info, and then somebody will contact you in a week or two and say, what'd you think about that? And you can say, I loved it. Or you can say, I don't think that was for me. I, I, I need to keep looking. And that's how it works. So you see balloons up there because when you leave the sanctuary, there's going to be balloons around there. And if you gather at the right color balloon, that's where that tour starts. And Worship Arts has no balloon because you just stay in the room, just come down here to the front row. And we'll start the tour. That's for music or set design or the technical areas and, and a handful of other things too. So if you're arty or techie, you know, you can do this. You can also do it for kids, though, around some of those other colored balloons. So this is time to consider. Time to get close to some passion and see if the Spirit draws you. Uh, getting involved is where it's at, and it's how we become family. We do something great together. So after service, I'll be out at the coffee with Pastor. If we've never gotten to meet before, I'd love to get a chance to meet you. And uh, please don't check your kids out early and cut out and so you can beat the Baptist to lunch because um, <laughs> the, kids, the, the kids' service goes all the way to 1130. Okay, so, you know, you hang out here, go on a tour because you're here and the kids aren't done yet. And uh, we'll see what the Lord does. Amen? Well, depart and I pray you hear from the Lord.